episode of the Data Protection and Privacy Podcast is brought to you by The Trust Bridge, www.thetrustbridge.co.uk. Today's offer, try one of our accredited courses for £1. Go to www.thetrustbridge.co.uk forward slash 2020 training. This episode of the Data Privacy Protection Podcast is brought to you by ADPP, the Arena for Data Protection Professionals. Visit www.digitalarena.co and join us to get access to member benefits and entry to our networking events. Today's offer, save 25% on annual membership using the code LIA25. The price will be £112.50 instead of £150 for annual membership. www.digitalarena.co um, it's lovely to have this chance to have a conversation with you and I'm introducing Hayley Jaffrey who is a fellow uh, privacy professional and I think we're just going to have a little chat and explore some issues that are of general interest to our community um, and particularly explore your sort of background and your experience and any particular lines that come out of our, our conversation. So I think as a, a starter, Hayley, can you just talk us through how you got involved in this um, career-wise into this sort of area of privacy? Absolutely. Um, so for 20 years, um, I worked primarily in governance, compliance and operational excellence roles across a number of industries. So healthcare, financial services, and latterly more oil and gas. Um, so always had um, a solid analytical mind, if you like, um, and logical thought process around how to undertake certain tasks um, across a business in a way that was collaborative and made sense um, and was commercially um, effective and efficient. So I was a Lean Six Sigma black belt with General Electric for several years. So I do actually see life in boxes and arrows most of the time. <laughs> it is uh, something of uh, an annoyance for my family when I leave instructions. It's generally a process flow. Um, I'd done that for a long time and I really enjoyed that career. I enjoyed the fact that it was very interactive and collaborative. So I have a skill so I am essentially like a car however someone else has to drive it mm. um, so I certainly help people get from A to B and I'm a car with sat nav is probably the better way of putting it um, about three years ago I was I was at a crossroads I was actually deciding at that point that I was going to set up my own business doing consultancy in that business efficiency um, and quality management sphere but I live in Aberdeen and at that point um, the market fell um, for oil and gas um, and it really wasn't a sound time to actually go solo um, and start freelancing but I wanted to to do something that was going to push me a little bit more and I had worked collaboratively with the deep protection officers when I was in healthcare and also in financial services. Um, so it was always an integral part of the sort of compliance element. And I started to see an awful lot more coming through about GDPR 
um, and that kind of sparked a bit of an interest. And as luck would have it, um, there was a, a training course going on for the SIPI qualification locally. So um, I attended that and I absolutely loved it. It made total sense. Mm -hmm. And as a tiny little bit of a background, when my son was a baby, so this was like nearly 20 years ago, um, I wanted to do a law degree and I went back to university to do an access course and I did that for the year um, as well, it was uh, part time so it was in the evenings um, and then for me to progress that I would have had to have given up work and I actually couldn't afford that at the time so I let that go but I actually really enjoyed it um, and when I went to do the the SIPI course it was a week-long course it ignited that interest in the legislation and applying the legislation. And because of my background in business and understanding business, the two married up really nicely. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the course. I thoroughly enjoyed the studying. Um, I fortunately passed that exam. And then I thought I'd already set up my limited company at that point. And I thought, well, actually, do you know, there's a need. And there wasn't any other... Um, and I, I use the word really, really loosely at this point, privacy professionals in my local area. Um, and I thought, well, I could actually start to do this. And what I did was I reached out to a couple of business contacts and said, this is something that I'm trying out at the moment. I need some case studies and I need to do this um, to kind of flex my muscle and see how it goes. And I was fortunate that I had people in my network that wanted this work done. So I just kind of went for it at that point and um, I engaged with privacy peers on LinkedIn primarily, started going to conferences and events and just learning more and it just took off from there. So for about a year and a half, I consulted with businesses across different in industries and of different sizes. So some were um, small, medium um, enterprises. I actually was the... Um, preferred uh, professional if you like for business gateway and elevator for small businesses for them to get all of their privacy stuff organized when they were setting up their business I trained over 300 small businesses through that um, and provided support there all the way through to oil and gas multinationals um, and sort of bit program managed mm -hmm. their GDPR implementation for want of a better word or term um, and then the work started to dry up a little bit, I have to say. Do you know, the 25th of May kind of yeah. came in and everyone yeah. went, yeah, right, we don't have to do anything anymore. You know, it was a bit of a damp squib. Um, and I thought, well, I want to continue to do this. There was no privacy rules that were in um, Scotland generally, actually. Um, so I started looking further afield and a contract came up at GSK and I've been there for the last year. Yeah. Yeah. So a global pharmacy um, uh, privacy leader for them, and it's uh, it's been brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Complete exposure to the full gamut of privacy and different legislation as well, not just GDPR. So uh, because it's a global um, rule, so like CCPA coming in, the Brazilian laws coming in, the different state laws coming in in the US. Um, then you've got um, India and China with their cybersecurity laws. So you've got this sort of overall understanding. But my area of expertise is primarily GDPR. Okay. Yeah, let's just unpick that a little bit because um, 
you you've worked in a number of organizations and you've explained about your current contract role your current role with gsk um, the role of a of, of somebody working in this area and, and obviously we're thinking about trying to help other sort of dpos really in that field it can be quite a sort of solo role can't it can you just talk through possibly how you go about getting into an organization so that you are most effective i mean obviously you've had you've been nearly a year in, in the, your current role but i know you've been in and out of organizations just it'd be interesting to know what your sort of approach is when you just land on the first day and you're told um you know you've got a responsibility and you've got to sort of think well how am i going to deliver this because it's just me it's just yeah me. Mm. so um, when I was consulting, um, in order to get that first engagement, um, I actually offered a free one hour GDPR awareness sessions. Yeah. Um, and it was never because I have a, a, a distinct dislike uh, stroke hatred for snake coiling. Um, it was never about if you don't engage me um, for you know X amount of money, then you're going to get um find hundreds of millions of pounds right. it was very much an awareness of um what data are you processing and let's have a look at the risks and let me tell you some of the controls that we need to consider moving forward yeah. when i did those about 95 percent of the time they then realized at that point ah I didn't know that that was processing. I didn't know that there was different data subjects and I didn't understand third party risk. Yeah. So that then engaged uh, me to come into the organization, do a fuller processing assessment and audit and then work an action plan. Mm. Um, and it would either work with, I would engage on a project management um, model where I would help them um, implement so it was multifunctional mm. uh, engagement or if it's smaller businesses I would do it for them mm. and then implement or I would just give them the action plan about what they needed to do themselves yeah. so you had this sort of light medium heavy um, <laughs> model of approach mm. um, when you're in privacy is quite a dry topic as we know not everybody gets it not everybody loves it um, however it affects us all you know we're all data subjects in some way shape or form and i think that as a professional and a consultant it's how we engage with people it's how we compel how we educate um and you can bring a horse to water but if they're not going to get it they're not going to get it and they're not interested but generally speaking i believe that the success is down to um a consultant's method uh, of engagement mm -hmm. um, and how they interact and work in partnership with their clients mm -hmm. and I find that consulting and I find that contracting as well yeah. it's my delivery um, my engagement my relationships that I build relationships of trust mm -hmm. um, and engagement that actually help an organization so yeah. you, you could technically say that as consultants we are the product essentially you know the the, the gift is ours to yeah. impart educate um, collaborate um, and yeah that's that's generally it yeah so how do you identify who the key allies are in an organization who are going to help you achieve what you need to do as a consultant or a contractor are there key areas that are more significant for you to bring on side um, in a sort of collaboration 
So we generally know where the data's hidden. We generally know where the bodies are buried and we know the functions and your typical functions are your people functions, so HR um, and training. Um, and then you have the ones that are not always uh, recognized, your supply chain um, and the third parties that you're dealing with. But then there's other elements. So in an oil and gas scenario, for instance, there's a lot of data sharing that happens with personnel going to say different platforms or different installations that yeah. are then run by other controllers, but they didn't realize that they were controllers mm. or processors. So mm. it's, um, I think the term that we use quite a lot is it depends, but it is, you know, we're looking at those different interactions. So first of all, I always engage with C-suite because it has to be led from the front. Yeah. Um, and then I'm asking them who in your organization of these people, this is your functions that I know are going to be processing data. Who do I need to engage with? Mm -hmm. And then start having individual meetings with them and then bring it together as a team if it's a larger organization. And we work as a, um, a unified project. Yeah. Do you know, I, I, I so, so agree. Just this week with a new client, um, I always find I go in and my trigger of saying, who should I be speaking to? I'd like, is they say, oh, we, we haven't really got an up-to-date organogram or organization <laughs> chart. And I'm just horrified. But usually that tells you a lot, doesn't it, about the organization? Probably that they're very busy. Yes. But they can't even identify their own key people. 100%. You're exactly right. Whenever I go into an organization, whether I'm a consultant, a contractor or staff, the first place I look, and this is my quality background as well, show me your organogram so I know who my stakeholders are and show me your quality management system that shows me your processes that I can then see your ways of working and how you interact because everybody's multifunctional yeah. and it's quite rare that you find an organogram and a quality management system or a quality management system and I'm well if you don't know who does what and you don't know the way that you work how do you know the data that you're processing and actually you don't know your architecture you don't know your infrastructure from a data point of view or actually from a security point of view either. Yeah. Um, and at that point, it kind of gets a little bit, it feels like an insurmountable task. Yeah. But as a project manager, same as you, break it down into manageable yes. chunks. Yes, yes. And you, you talked about how the appeal to you um, that you're quite you're a structured, logical person. Um, what about, how do you react with others in an organisation who aren't? Um, that structured you know what are have you got any tips uh, about how you bring people through because it is a, it can be a dry area if you reduce it down to um you know assessments and audits and process flows but as we know and you said we're all data subjects have you got a trick as to how you bring it to life for somebody who perhaps isn't playing the game and isn't contributing as much as you would like um, a couple, you have like an arsenal, I think, of different tools and methods and you're, um, you're reading your audience, you're reading the personality types that are in there. Um, some people are very easy to engage. Um, some talk a good game and look like they're listening and aren't necessarily so, they're just waiting for you to leave the room. Yeah. Um, and then others are just a complete shutdown. Yeah. And it's a soft skill role that we have as well as the hard skills that we have in the knowledge 
we're actually useless if we don't have soft skills to engage with people or else we're just shouting in the wind. Yeah. Um, compelling um, analogies. Analogies are brilliant. I draw a lot of pictures. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a mean whiz uh, with a pen and a flip chart and using examples that are meaningful and relevant to them so that the learning is in context. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, um, it's all just sort of quite superficial and it doesn't make sense. Mm. And you're constantly checking with them, does that make sense? Can you see where that's coming from? And I always ask as well, so I mean, I work a lot with digital and data and marketing people and they, oh, they love a bit of data um, and they're, they can be um, sometimes a wee bit naughty um, with that data as well because it's so shiny and it's so nice and it helps them do what they want to do is that asking that question, how do you feel? Mm. That's happening to you. Do you know if you'd gone and shopped somewhere and then all of a sudden you were getting an email and marketing or somebody phoning you from somewhere else mm. and you hang on a minute, where did you get that from? Mm. And and then they, they start not everybody, but we do start to see sort of little evangelists mm. coming along the way. Yeah. And I don't need everybody to get on board, but um I do need the vast majority to get on board. Yeah. And actually that's when the C suite are the ones that really kick in at that point because I can only compel. Yeah. Um I, I can't execute. Yeah. Um and really the buck stops with the person that's going to feel the biggest pain. Yeah. Um and the, a little bit of the scare tactics kind of go up to your C suite for the risk element. Mm. But I generally don't like to do that. That's a big gun that I don't use an awful lot because it's I find it ineffective it's a bit like smacking your kids do you know it's not actually got yeah. a great benefit long term ultimately though the risk register and the audit committee yeah, yeah. They're, they're the last last point of contact aren't they to, yeah. to, to yeah. be a bit of a big stick but i i fully understand that as well um, you've talked about um reawakening your interest in um your sort of law and the fact that certainly when we're talking about gdpr and privacy it's all about legislation and it's about interpreting that legislation, which in itself has a structure. It's quite hard to, to manipulate. What's your view about how legally aware, um, from, a, from a lawyer's point of view, do you think a DPO needs to be? Does a DPO need to have legal training, for example? What do you feel? I can certainly see the benefit in it, to be honest, um, and I would never rule it out. But similarly, I would never rule out a non-lawyer doing that role. Mm. Um, I think first, the understanding and the interpretation of law can be somewhat subjective and actually different depending on different lawyers that you speak to. Mm. Um, I think it's important the peer-to-peer -peer, um, support, so the network that you guys provide is vital. I rely quite heavily on um, using my peer group as a sounding board because mm. I have an interpretation of the, the law and actually at the practical application of that based on my interpretation but i do like to run it past yeah um people in my organization but actually i've got lawyers in my organization that actually rely on me mm. for that mm. so mm. they're not necessarily the business doesn't always benefit just from the legal interpretation mm. they benefit more from the practical application of yeah. it yeah so um and quite often lawyers don't have that 
Mm. Um, uh, but similarly, quite often business people don't have the legal mm. and it's being able to find that hybrid, but this isn't a standalone role. So this isn't, I don't think a DPO or a privacy professional or a leader in an organisation stands on their own. I think it's dangerous to do that. Mm. Um, it's about having a network and whether that in network is internal in your business or actually you ensure that there is a peer-to-peer -peer network externally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's vital, absolutely yeah. vital. Yeah. But I don't think, I, I see a lot of roles at the moment, good roles, um, and I'm looking at the moment, um, they're steadfastly saying no you need to you know at least three uh, three years pqe you have to have a law degree yeah. and like explain to me why yeah. and it's very difficult and i think actually organizations feel that there's a comfort in having that legal element yeah. totally agree with that yeah but it doesn't necessarily need to be a privacy lawyer because most organizations have a lawyer anyway yeah um, that are not privacy specific yeah, I suppose they're probably trying to cover a number of needs in one person, as every organisation does, to to keep it resource. Effective. It is. It is the challenge that you do have as well, though, is potential conflicts of interest, mm. um, and resource challenges, um, dependent on the the nature of the industry. Uh, as a DPU, that you could be doing that all day, every day. Um, and not come up for breath. Mm. So then going into the sort of contractual or commercial element, you're, ta you're totally um, stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea. So, um, but I think, again, it depends on the nature of the business and the industry. Mm. But what I would prefer to see is not this sort of cookie cutter um, template, if you like, for the DPO because there's a lot of magic that can happen with a really solid privacy professional that may not necessarily be a lawyer but is yeah. very good at understanding the law. Yeah absolutely absolutely and I, I suppose just finally the you mentioned the importance of a peer-to-peer -peer support and a network and using your sounding board and uh, that must be especially so because you know you're you're based up in Aberdeen mm -hmm. um, is that do you think that geographical spread i mean here we are i'm sitting to you talking to you in london where um obviously there's lots of um, network and you can get out and about a lot more has that sort of shaped your own thinking that um in your approach to how you use other people in that peer-to-peer -peer network um no actually the geographical element doesn't i think the nature of our world now is you know it's limitless with uh, social media and world wide web and all of the other joyfully technologies that we have, although some of them are not always privacy compliant, I have to say. Um, but no, it's, um, I, I'm not restricted. Prior to working, because I work in London three days a week now, um, and prior to that, yes, I did struggle to get to some of the forums that yeah. were in London that are very London-centric. Yeah. So it would be nice to see more of that actually happening further north. Yeah. Um, um, and in different places because privacy is everywhere. Mm. However, I am mindful as well that the resource might not always be available. It might not always be practical. Um, mm. But there's many online forums as well. And LinkedIn actually has been a really great um, resource. Mm. I've met some really fabulous people who you then meet in, pe in person. So I've done the uh, Date Protection World Forum a couple of times and I've spoken there as well. Mm. 
which has been really nice. And then you get to meet people and it's funny, you know, when you go from the two, the 2D picture to the 3D person. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, it's you, it's you. Yeah. Um, and it's actually a really nice community. It's a very welcoming community. We challenge each other um, and we support each other. Um, and I like that. I like that. Um, that's been probably one of the single best parts um, of being involved in privacy. Not single, but one of the best parts of being yeah. involved in privacy is the community. Well, thank you very much, um, very much, Hayley. And well, we look forward to seeing you at one of uh, the ADPP events in Glasgow or Edinburgh very soon. Um, I would love to be. You will be first on the invitation list. So thank you. thank you very much indeed. That's been great. Thanks a lot. This episode of the Data Protection and Privacy Podcast is brought to you by The Trust Bridge www.thetrustbridge.co.uk Today's offer, try one of our accredited courses for £1. Go to www.thetrustbridge.co.uk forward slash 2020 training. This episode of the Data Privacy Protection Podcast is brought to you by ADPP, the Arena for Data Protection Professionals. Visit www.digitalarena.co and join us to get access to member benefits and entry to our networking events. Today's offer, save 25% on annual membership using the code LIA25. The price will be £112.50 instead of £150 for annual membership. www.digitalarena.co